0: Folks travel these roads, not knowing they lead to darkness, not knowing eyes watch from the sheltered veil, voices whisper from beyond. If these roads are a line, wanderers and derelicts will find themselves in October country. folks. I'm August Scythe. I'm a tour guide of sorts for folks who find themselves here, like you. I'm also a caretaker of these parts, a local historian, a collector of stories about those who pass through.
1: She never fathers cuckoo till the last day. We don't care, baby
0: Howdy, folks. This is August Scythe. This is a story I've heard all my life. First, it was told to me by my grandma when I was a little boy. Then several people here in my world have retold it to others, making it a folk story of sorts, of legend. Now it concerns one Alvin Carter. You don't know who he is or his contributions or his family's contributions to music, then maybe this will enlighten you a little bit. Or prompt me to read a book about him. Just might cause you to seek out one of those songs he and the Carter family gifted to the world. Sit back and hear how Alvin Carter found inspiration from the October country. Looking down on the valley from the top of Blythe Mountain in southwestern Virginia, Alvin Carter could see the damage and the turmoil the storm had caused. The close-knit town of Sawyer had a general store, a church, a hotel, a diner, and about ten houses, slightly spread out. That was not counting all the farms and the houses deep in the woods or three miles east or five miles west. Sawyer was flooded out. Debris from those buildings and trees and whatnot scattered throughout. People hung around the General Store, gathered in the street, not knowing what else to do. The General Store and the church were practically the only buildings in town, not touched by the storm. Alvin looked down on these people and felt great sorrow for them. Already a depressed and poor area, The storm had made all that gloomier climate even more desperate. Alvin took his hat off and wiped the sweat from off the back of his neck with a handkerchief.
2: I don't think these folks are going to feel much like singing. Well, Alvin Carter, you got to try no matter what. He placed his hat back on his head, straightened the brim a bit,
0: and fixed his handkerchief in his back suit pocket, because strangers think the worst of a body if they aren't properly dressed. Alvin climbed into his 29 Ford and started the engine. The vehicle shuddered and sputtered before a spurt of wheels pushed forward and rumbled down the mountainside. The car came to a full stop at the hotel entrance. Alvin lowered the stick brake, and the car rolled forward an inch or two. He got out and surveyed the situation. A man in a white undershirt and overalls approached him. Hello. Alvin smiled, showed a jagged tooth overlapping
3: another tooth on the bottom. How are you? As well as God intended, I suppose. Anything you want here, mister?
0: Wrinkles on the man's forehead collided with a bushy eyebrow. Well,
2: yes. I'm here to collect some songs. ''Songs?'' the man said, looking Alvin up and down. ''Where are you from?'' ''I don't believe we've come to that part of acquaintance, mister.'' Alvin was standoffish. He didn't
0: believe in asking such a question until he gave you the right to ask it.
3: ''Right now, mister, people are hurting this here valley after that storm came through.''
0: Alvin looked around. His head shot back to the man.
3: ''I can see that.'' ''We need clothes.'' Food, place to stay. Here you are, wanting people's songs.
2: I didn't come here for a fight, but if you're itching, I'm obliged to scratch it. A small, bald man came running up.
4: What's going on here?
0: He jumped in the middle of the beginning of a fist fight between Alvin and the man. Alvin had thrown his hat aside and started to remove his coat. Davis, what's
4: the problem?
3: (sighs) This stranger has peculiar notions amid distressful times, Mr. O'Dell. The man said, lowering his fists.
0: Mr. O'Dell looked Alvin up and down and jerked his head back to Davis. Oh, i so. Davis breathed heavily. He was more than likely just in his mid-thirties, but a harsh life, either in the mines or on the farm, was the cause of any ill health. He wants to trade for songs. He said, wiping the sweat from his face on the sleeves of his shirt... Mr. O'Dell took a step back. A smile eventually sprang on his sour, fat face.
4: Is that so? That's so?
0: Alvin said, still miffed. He bent down, picked up his hat, straightened the
2: brim, and eased it on top of his head. Come many a mile to collect songs. I sing and perform with a group. Name's Alvin Carter. Mr. O'Dell's face lit up even more.
4: Oh, I know you. Your family sings with you. He slapped
0: Davis on the shoulder. Davis snarled, Decided to walk away. <laughs> I got
4: one of their records.
0: <laughs> Davis swatted at him. Called back. So
3: what?
4: Yeah, uh, He ain't much of a music fan. I can tell. He's got a good reason not to be. Can't afford a Victrola machine. <laughs> uh, can't afford much at the moment, like uh, others here. Uh. Nowhere to stay. I mean, Charlie over there has offered rooms, all filled up, of course. If I come at a bad time, I do apologize. Oh, I don't think God has any notions of a bad time, Mr. Carter. He has a place for things to come together. Besides, music would help ease the worried mind. That's what I think, Mr. O'Dell. Why don't you come on inside and have a Coke or something?
2: O'Dell patted Alvin on the
4: back. Can I get my guitar? Of course. I got my fiddle, and old Jesse Stedman plays the harp. (laughs) Be a grand time.
0: A woman in a blue tattered dress ambled toward Alvin. Her hair was tangled like vines on a buster's tree trunk. Her face was dirty, and there were red splotches on her neck, bosom, and her arms. She stopped Alvin, and he noticed there was a vacancy between those dismal eyes.
5: I couldn't keep him away. I planted bloodroot everywhere, all through this valley. The storm killed him. and this town.
2: Is that a fact? I'm sure you did your best. The woman walked a circle, wringing her hands.
5: He's coming, no matter what. Rain or shine, winter or spring, no matter, no matter what.
0: Alvin smiled at Mr. O'Dell. He took the woman by the arm and pointed her toward the hotel. The woman looked frightened by Mr. O'Dell's touch, pulled away, and ran off.
4: Now, Ida, go find Davis. He's been looking for you. (laughs) I'm afraid things are bad here in these parts, Mr. Carter. That family has never been right.
2: Who is in this world, Mr.
4: O'Dell?
0: It was late before they stopped playing music. Mr. O'Dell dug deep into his memory of family songs that told stories about the heartache and the heartbreak of the Civil War, while Jesse Steadman played a few old gospel songs that his grandmother sung to him when he was a boy. In the middle of the session, Jesse's wife brought over some greens and a few pieces of chicken. Mr. O'Dell closed the general store at seven and found a jug of hooch. The songs became less serious and more like a hoedown, with a couple of witness ballads Alvin had heard in some of those black churches a few weeks ago. They were tired. Alvin's hands hurt from playing the guitar too much. Rheumatism acting up. He laughed. Shook his head. Rain's coming, boys. We had enough of that around these parts. Jesse sniffed. He was a large man. When he played the fiddle, the back part of the instrument disappeared beneath his three chins.
4: Flood was so bad, I was all back building an ark for me and Laura Lee to escape.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jesse showed Mr. O'Dell his mug. Mr. O'Dell ladled some water from a barrel and poured it into the mug.
4: Can't have no more of the other, Jesse. (sighs) Laura Lee will have my hide if you're too skinned going home. No matter. (sighs) Time for bed, anyway. Say, Mr. Carter... That publisher pays you to collect songs?
0: Mr. O'Dell stood and stretched. The bones in his back and lower legs
2: crackled like flames on kinmen. He does, but I always say if it's my song or if it's arranged by me. Don't want my name on another's. You know
4: anyone willing to trade for songs? I don't have much money to my name. Sent that home. I'd trade you, Mr. Carter, but... Those songs belong to my wife's family, and uh, the one I played for you earlier is my granddaddy's story. My mother made me promise to keep singing it. <laughs> she didn't say anything about letting strangers use it. Maybe... Radney Hampton. <laughs> Jesse, that old man is plain crazy. He's first cousin to that Davis and his uh, sister Ida. Oh, <laughs> something wrong with that family.
2: Maybe I should go see Mr.
4: Hampton.
0: Alvin opened a beat-up, dusty guitar case and placed his guitar inside.
4: I wouldn't advise it, Mr. Carter. Something bad always happens to those who have dealings with that family. You saw Ida. Hmm. Look, uh, I can ask around. I'll be okay, Mr. O'Dell. It's
2: only music I'm after. What bad things can come from that?
0: Alvin walked to the hotel, guitar case in hand, swatting mosquitoes with his other hand. The heat felt like a blanket, no breeze stirring at all. The moon was bright and hung at half-mast that reminded Alvin of a slither of homemade pie. He was about to cross the street when he saw a body moving in the shadows, hanging around the porch of the diner. He saw a strange glowing light appear, and a white ball of light seemed to hover in the air until a hand reached out and seized it. The ball of white light disappeared immediately.
2: Eyes must be playing tricks on me. I'm more tired than I thought.
0: He decided to cross the street. At the same time, the man from the shadows began his trek. They met up, and Alvin tipped his hat to the man. He was dressed all in white. White tie, white coat, white shirt, white slacks. His face was hard, and lines crossed it like a winding stream. His eyes black as coal, and his hair was jet black, and that melded with the darkness surrounding them. He was carrying a box, about five by eight inches. Mister? Evening. They passed each other, and Alvin felt shivers up and down his body. He stopped and turned, and watched the man walk off into the woods.
2: Something ain't
0: right with that one. In the morning, Alvin came out of the hotel, his guitar case in his hand. He set out to find Radney Hampston, but he was held up by a few minutes at the cafe, where his car was parked. Some men were gathered round, and it seemed like a heated argument. Mr. O'Dell was in the middle of it, as was the Sheriff Lewis. Lewis was a rotund man with long, spindly legs. His face was sunken with a large, prominent nose and small eyes that shifted around far too much for folks' comfort. It was only 10 in the morning, yet Lewis's uniform already had sweat stains. What's going on here, fellas?
4: I don't believe I know you, stranger. Oh, uh, he just got in town yesterday, Sheriff. He's okay.
0: Lewis held a hand up.
4: I was talking to the stranger, Mr. Odell.
0: You just got in, huh?
2: I did. Alvin's smile
0: changed to a
2: frown and then a snarl. I'm not sure it's any business of yours, Sheriff. Everything is my business, boy. Lewis swiped spittle from his lips. Didn't know it was against the law to be a stranger. Depends on what the stranger has done. Smart-mouth of me ain't gonna get on my good side, boy. I rightly don't care. I think you better use another word besides boy. You want to spend a few days in jail? You'll need to find a charge, Hooknose. Lewis stepped forward,
0: as did Mr. O'Dell. Mr. O'Dell caught Lewis by the arm, preventing him from going any further.
4: Sheriff uh, heed. this man has done nothing and you are making a fool of yourself because of the nature of events. Unhand
0: me, Odell. Listen to Mr. Odell, Sheriff. One town he said. He'd been hunting that morning. His twenty-two still in his hand. You got an election coming up. If
4: this fella makes a fuss, you could lose to Donna.
0: That's right, Sheriff. A farmer spoke up. Lewis inhaled and then sharply exhaled.
4: Where were you around 10 o'clock? Just answer the sheriff, Mr. Carter. You have a good alibi.
0: Alvin
2: fixed the brim on his hat, sat his guitar case down. I was with Mr. O'Dell and Jesse Steadman, playing music. That's
4: right, Sheriff.
2: I'd like to know something. Why do you need to know where I was and what time?
4: Oh, a body was found out here, Mr. Carter.
2: Lewis made a
0: noise as if he was a pig going to slaughter.
4: Yeah, why don't you tell everyone? He's going to find out anyway. Davis was his name. I understand you two had word yesterday.
0: Lewis jabbed a pudgy finger in the
2: air and pointed at Alvin. He was a mite bit high-strung from being asked a few questions. I hope that satisfies you, Sheriff.
4: For now. Let's break this up, boys. We're drawing attention.
0: I'm sure I'll be seeing you real soon.
2: Sheriff Lewis wobbled off to the cafe to have his breakfast. That man has the demeanor of a bobcat.
4: He's had a rough week or so. Davis was not the only death he's had to deal with. The Jamesons and Fred Time were found dead in their houses a few days ago. The four bodies were found with holes in their chest, but no blood stains anywhere. Their faces paralyzed with fear. Strange, I tell you. Give their families my respects, Mr.
2: O'Dell. Maybe before I head out, I can stop by and play them a song about the phrases of the Lord.
4: Well, that would be real nice, Mr. Carter.
2: Mr. O'Dell patted Alvin on the shoulder. They walked to Alvin's car. Would you kindly direct me to Radney Hampton's place?
4: You still going out there? Huh. Something bad is going to happen there tonight, Mr. Carter.
0: Like what? Alvin looked at O'Dell strangely.
4: I, uh, I don't rightly know, Mr. Carter. I'm just conjecturing is all. Mr. Carter, I'd hate for things to go expectantly uh, for you, that is.
2: I promised my publisher these songs. I, I, I was told he had some he would trade for.
4: There's no way of talking you out of this, is there, Mr. Carter? Afraid not, Mr. O'Dell. When my mind's set, there's no changing
2: it.
0: A winding dirt road led Alvin through the woods and up a long mountainside. He was looking for the Hampton House all day, and Alvin had gotten lost many times. Many twists took Alvin to many dead ends, and once he'd almost driven straight off of a cliff, looking down on the town he'd just left. He stopped just short of the edge. Stone and rubble fell, running into a stream just as you entered that town. Alvin got out, looked down, and whistled. The longest drop he'd ever seen in his life, and he grew up in the mountains, but never had to walk or drive on such a steep one as that day. Alvin took his hat off and wiped the sweat from his brow.
5: I tried to keep him here.
0: He turned around quickly and found the woman named Ida standing near the rear end of his car. Alvin was feeling a mite ornery, so he decided to smart mouth her.
2: Is that a fact, lady? I sure wish in God's Almighty that you'd kept me from this place. Alvin slapped a thigh with his hat and placed it back on his head.
5: Davis. He shouldn't have done what he did.
2: Davis? Davis is dead, ain't he? Ida cocked her head,
0: eyed Alvin suspiciously.
5: Davis was marked since the day he was born. Mom always said that if he was a chicken, a hawk would have swooped down and took him. Davis' luck never was blessed.
2: I reckon we all have those days, lady. I ain't the least bit interested.
5: Oh. But you are, mister.
0: I'd a cut him off. Made sure she had the last word. As she began to disappear.
5: You come for a song, and Davis made it easier for you to get it.
0: Right there, before Alvin's eyes. Ida slowly vanished, dematerialized. In the distance, Alvin heard a hawk calling out to its prey. He felt goosebumps rise up and down his whole body. <laughs> The house was nothing more than a shack, several miles from town, way back in the woods, just between the swamp and the river. Driving along, Alvin was spooked. He'd never seen a ghost or whatever Ida was. He was in such a mood that he didn't even get out of the car when he drove up in the Radney Hampton's yard. He just sat there in silence, contemplating driving back home to Sarah. Too many odd happenings. Hurtful people. Just bad feeling overall. That was enough for Alvin to want to make the trek for
2: home. Hell, I got enough songs. I don't need any more. You here for the song? Alvin
0: gasped, looked around, and saw no one was in sight. He closed his eyes and caught his breath.
6: I said, are you here for the song?
0: Alvin opened his eyes to see an elderly man in stained overalls standing beside the car. Uh,
2: yes. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Are you Radney Hampton? I'm
6: Radney Hampton.
2: Yes. They eyed each other for
0: a bit until Hampton grew annoyed with the situation. Well, come on in the house if
6: you are wanting the damn song.
0: Hampton walked fast for an old man. His feet pointed inward. His legs bowed underneath him. He went up a few steps on his porch and stopped. He turned to see that Alvin was reluctantly following slowly.
2: Come on. I don't have all night for this, mister. Name's Alvin. I'd appreciate it if you called me that with respect. The old man's demeanor immediately changed. He laughed like a man who had just found the last
0: crumb of bread. Smacked his leg.
1: (laughs)
6: Well, okay. (laughs) We're going to get along just fine. (laughs) Just fine.
0: Inside the house was only a chair and an old rocking chair. There was a dobro that sat on the floor beside a jug of moonshine. On the wall were several framed drawings of that same woman. Some were oil paintings, and some were water paintings, and others were just charcoal drawings.
6: That's Ida. Finest woman I ever met. (laughs) We've met. A lot of people tell me that. Most of them are okay with meeting her as a spirit. For some, it's a
2: life-changing event. For me, represents sadness. Regret. Was she your wife, Mr. Hampton? No,
6: we never married. Though we did have a child, I have no idea where that child is. Some folks, the Reverend here in town, thought it was their duty to give that child to a better family. Give the child a proper name. There's nothing wrong with my
2: family's name, Alvin. Nothing at all. I'm sure, Mr. Hampton. Look, I don't want to sound impatient, but I'd like to get things started. I need to go home. I'm feeling more than a little homesick. (sighs) What's the song sound like?
6: I sit and play with you, Alvin.
0: Hampton sat in his rocking chair and reached into an old Bible the size of a small coffee table.
6: I don't have the wind to sing anymore. As you can see... My fingers are curling towards the palm of my hand, so I can't play the dobro anymore. He
0: handed Alvin a sheet of paper rolled up, a blue string tied at both ends.
6: That's a music sheet. Can you read music?
0: Some. Alvin unrolled the paper, reading over the lyrics.
6: I had a music teacher. Help me translate it into those funny little lines. He was just passing through, and we got to talking. Good man. He died on the way back to his home, just on the main highway. He should not have strayed from his home in New Jersey. He would have been alive today.
0: wreck. Alvin rolled the paper back up and retied the string at both ends. Hampton shook his head.
6: No. Unnatural causes.
0: Alvin didn't know what to say to that, so he let it go. The quicker he got out of Hampton's house, the quicker he was back on his way home to be with Sarah.
2: What do you want for the song, Mr. Hampton?
0: I don't have much money. Hampton laughed, dismissed the notion with a wave of his hand.
6: I don't
0: want money. He pointed a jagged finger at Alvin. I just want a promise. A promise? You heard me right, son. Hampton paused, moved his finger to the open
6: window. You see that mountaintop? Yes, sir. Take that road through town. Back up that mountainside. At the very tip, there's a grave. You copy the words from that paper for your own. Dig up some dirt. Then place that paper in the grave. You hear me? Yes, sir. That's the deal, son. A promise. And
0: you get the song. He reached into his pocket and handed Alvin a flower. The petals of this flower were blood red, and the edges were folded in.
6: Take this a flower. Bloodroot boy, you'll need it. Trust me. Protection is everything. If you don't believe that, you don't have a soul to bear to your maker. Hampton had this strange look on his face,
0: a mixture of pain and relief. His body jumped and sparks and electricity filled the air. Hampton fell to the floor to reveal a shadowy presence that had been behind him. It was like the man, all dressed in white. His eyes were glowing red, holding a Bible box. The lid was partially open, and a clear ball of glowing light removed itself from Hampton's limp body and hovered in the air before dipping into the box. Alvin took a few steps backward, I don't want no trouble, mister. The man in white chuckled. His eyes returned to the color of deep darkness.
4: You picked the wrong day, my friend. Honestly, you are nothing to me but extra fixings on my plate. My lord and master will be happy to have your soul. A
2: demon. You're a demon. Alvin stuttered.
0: Drop the music sheet and the bloodroot flower.
4: If that's what you would like to call me, uh, not the same lord and master, uh, matters not. Uh, no one knows where he came from. He just appeared, my lord and master, the arcane and beautiful
0: Wormwood. The man in white sighed. He backed Alvin into the corner. There was nowhere for him to go.
4: I collect souls for him place them into my Bible box. When I go to temple, I am led underneath into the darkness where my Lord and Master resides. I open the lid, and the souls escape, and the balls of light glide over to my Lord and feed off of uh, bringing powers beyond our measly minds could even understand why I get so much more fulfillment than when I was a Bible salesman years ago. I know you were wondering why I am here in the dead town. Well, there was one soul that got away from me. And for some odd reason, I could never collect that soul, nor punish the one who prevented me from collecting that soul. Well, you can see how angry it makes me. A mist rose from the music
0: sheet and materialized as Ida holding the bloodroot flower between her fingers. She rushed toward the man in white and placed the bloodroot on his chest. The man in white screamed, and he dwindled into rising flames and was gone in a puff of smoke. Alvin gasped as he watched the charred body of Mr. Odell fall from the flames. Alvin was
2: puzzled. Mr. O'Dell? Is that demon? He shook his head. Oh, you never know about people. Ida retrieved the undamaged
0: blood-root flower from Mr. O'Dell's chest. She handed it to Alvin, along with the sheet music of the song Hampton had wrote for her.
5: I told you I tried to keep him from this place. I am so tired of wandering running from those that wish to catch me, put me in a box. Please, take me to my resting place, as Radney asked of you. I am so tired.
0: Alvin delivered the sheet music to Ida's grave up on the mountainside. He dug with his own hands. Just enough of the ground to cover the papers. He placed the soil back on the grave and then dropped the bloodroot flower on top. The flower sank into the disturbed soil before disappearing. He drove through the town one last time. He didn't see a soul. No birds, and no animals for that matter. The valley was still. No wind. No sound at all. The buildings were drenched in dried mud, and moss had begun to grow. The damage was still bountiful and in plain view. Down the road a ways, he spied a young black man walking down the dirt road. He stopped, picked the man up. The man climbed inside. A whiff of body odor was strong. And from the looks of his tattered clothing, the man had been on the road for quite a while. Uh, thank you for the ride. You're welcome. He offered the man his hand. The man had a strong grip. Shook it once. But he kept a suspicious
2: eye on Alvin. Name's Alvin Carter. Monroe Buell. You came from that
3: mountain yonder?
2: That's right. Stayed in Sawyer for two days.
3: Monroe looked him up and down. You're a more a man than I ever could be. Why, you say? Mr. Carter, there ain't been a living soul in those parts except one man. He didn't live in town. He lived on that mountaintop. Ain't been nobody living in that town since that storm five years ago. No one living, Mr. Carter. Suddenly, Alvin
0: Carter, felt a cold shudder come across his body. (laughs)
3: Augustus Seif is Wesley Critchfield. Alvin Carter was played by Pete Lutz. Mr. Davis and Monroe Buell were played by Daniel French. Radney Hampton was Frank Guglielmi. Mr. O'Dell was played by Joe Stofko. The ghost of Ida was Caitlin Curtis. Sheriff Lewis was played by Steve Katz. Jesse Stedman was Van Riker. Townsfolk and farmer were Patrick Horton. In music, The Cuckoo and Knoxville Girl were produced by Daniel French at Fishbonia Sound Design, with Victoria Fonsky singing The Cuckoo, and Rosanna Jimeno singing featured on Knoxville Girl. October Country Signature Music and Tempered Masses composed and produced by Diablo Jones. Would you like to hear your favorite Chronosphere fiction series being produced and distributed to the public at a quicker rate? Maybe better sound design? Maybe better quality? Well, you can help with that. Become a patron at patreon.com chronosphere. Thank you for listening to Chronosphere Fiction. Until next time, keep your cosmos clean.